Hello there. Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Well, you know what today is, guys? I give up. It is <laughs> the stash. It is the stash version of the Sermon Talkback. Yeah, it's strong. I'm joined by two men with bold, mm. may I say extra bold, mustaches, Thomas Nelson and Lou Priolo. I kind of want to join the party. Well, it's super easy, Jason. You have a mustache. It's just hiding behind <laughs> your beard. <laughs> You mean I'm already kind of in the party? You're, I just, you're there. Oh, gosh. All right. Maybe this week, guys. Maybe this week. What a week. The maybe, party. Maybe Man, check, check your week. social media feeds, folks. You can do a Fu Manchu, a little bit below the lips, even at the lips. How are you going to do that? Well, I mean, I don't know. Y'all kind of have a similar stash going on. It's right around the corners of the lips there. You should do a pencil mustache, you know, like the old Italian no, mobsters. I, I don't think I can pull that off. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I, I don't think you should do pencil mustache, as Lou says it. I wish I had a pencil-thin mustache. Um, all right, well, you know what? We were in um, we're in John 6, guys, and um, Lou, you know, Lou's on the podcast today, which means it's it, it doesn't usually go well for me. With, <laughs> with, <laughs> it's too bad the first 10 minutes were not recorded. <laughs> Lou, of course, thought my sermon was horrible, but that's um, that's not but, true. But we can redeem we can redeem it here, Lou. We can redeem it here. All the all the things I left out, we can we can hopefully get to. Um, but let's start with Thomas, who's maybe a little more encouraging. I'm here for you. You had some thoughts on the food that perishes. We, that was the first point. Of course, we talked about John six, Jesus. Right. It's kind of. I mean, there's some interesting parts. I'm the bread of life. But what does that mean? And then he says, unless you eat my body and or eat my flesh and drink my blood, you know, you have no place with me. What does that mean? We talked about a lot. We talked about transubstantiation. We talked a lot about um, what does it mean to, uh, or like, why is this so satisfying? So we, we, we want to dig a little deeper on all these things today. We, yeah. As Lou was telling me earlier, as I got my preaching lesson earlier in, in the moment, uh, I probably should have not taken on such a big chunk of, but, but I kind of figured like we're we're four weeks in yeah. John six, so and maybe I can cover some of this next week, Lou. We That'd had a shorter great. passage, yeah. we had a shorter passage, yeah. so you know, retroactively, I, I get another chance. I Good. get another chance to get back out there. Redemption. Put me, put me back in, Coach. Put me back in. Sure. Let me go make a play. Let sure. me go make a play. You got it. All right. So, but the first point: the food that perishes. Yeah, don't you guys think that we're all tempted? to short sell what God offers, who he is, a relationship with him, with the other low hanging fruit that's around. Um, well, what makes me happy? Right. And especially in a Western narrative, that is kind of what I'm taught from a little kid, like do what makes you happy. Uh, and so it's natural just to go after that, that food that we think, oh, I, I'm really good at school, so I'm gonna focus on school. 
until that burns itself out or, uh, man, I really love singing worship songs. If we start to get spiritual, oh man, that's really good. That's satisfying. And in a secular sense, I satisfy it with baseball or school or whatever, but in a spiritual sense, sometimes I can even short sell God by worshiping like the feeling I get. Sure. Yes. From being close to God. Lou, Lou's already reaching, a, he reached across yeah, the table. Go ahead, Lou, I'm ready. It's. I think it's about worship, really. I mean, God has freely given us all things to enjoy. And so he wants us to enjoy our food. He wants us to enjoy the temporal blessings that he's provided us with. The, the issue is, do we use those things as a means to worship God and they become a springboard for glorifying God and worshiping, or do we consume them upon our own lusts and God's like, maybe in the peripheral vision, we're focused more on our pleasure, on these things that God has given us, rather than using them as an opportunity to glorify God and focus on Him and be thankful for the things He's given us to enjoy. The whole point of Ecclesiastes is, look, this this down here, life under the sun, S-U-N, is pretty miserable. We don't live for this life. We live for the next life. But have a good meal. Enjoy your wife. Yeah. Have a glass of wine. You know, that's the, the idea. He gives us these things to remind us of what heaven is going to be like, but we cannot consume them for our selfish purposes, but rather use them as a means to worship God. You know, um, it's interesting. I was talking to some friends uh, the other day about John 2, how John 2 ends, where it says, Jesus did not entrust himself mm -hmm. to any man because he knew what was in the heart of a man. Mm -hmm. And then it's interesting, it goes to the story of Nicodemus. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees. So I think that's a clue, right? Um, and of course, Nicodemus comes to Jesus not as a typical Pharisee, right? He's very different than the normal Pharisee thing. Nicodemus is going to show up again in chapter 7, which we're not getting to for a while, but he's going to come back in John 7. Um, and then we see him again in John 19. Anyway, though, the point I'm trying to make here is I think we're... To, I think what you're saying too, we're all kind of interested in Jesus coming onto our team or fulfilling a need for mm -hmm. our team. The one that does signs could maybe be on our team, right? So yep. the Pharisees go to Jesus and say, oh, this person that you know did this, I mean, this is John after John 2, that did this amazing miracle at the feast. Maybe we could get him on our side or the Sadducees, maybe we could get them on our side, or this group or that group. Every group, the zealots, maybe we could get Jesus on yeah. our team, right? And he could he could kind of serve our purposes. And I do think that's the way that a lot of times, and this is I think what you're saying, we approach Christianity. It gives me a good experience. It yep. gives me nice friendships. It, it And it does do those things. This is what you're saying. Like, mm. there are graces that God yeah. gives, but... These graces are not like graces that exist to really serve our narrative. They're graces that exist to call us into what I like to say is like the true narrative, right? Yeah. The true story, true worship, not worship of self, but worship of God. Um, and, and, and that's kind of, I think, where Jesus is going here, right? When we feast, and I tried to say this a little bit yesterday, when we feast on Christ, Everything else in our life kind of lines up, right? If you have mm -hmm. a Zoe that comes from free, feasting on Christ, you can go to work not really needing for work to validate you. You can go to work validated, right? 
And then all of a sudden you can actually serve people. And then all of a sudden you can actually be humble. And then all of a sudden you can actually give yourself without expecting a ton in return. But I do think to your point, like we go to work or, you know, and it could be like non-sinful things like work or love or whatever. It could be sinful things, right? We could do the same thing with drugs or, you know, you know, sex, you know, sleeping around every night or whatever it is. Um, so it could be something sinful. It could be something that actually is good. Right. And, and, and really to all these things, like there, there is actually a right place for all of these things, right? There is a way to enjoy sex, right? It's within the confines of marriage. There is a way to enjoy, you know, a glass of alcohol. It's in moderation. You know, there is a way to enjoy these things. And then there's a way to abuse these things. But if you go at all of these things, and it's the same thing with work, or it's the same thing with relationships, or same thing with your children. Like how many parents struggle with the sin of validation, finding personal validation, or trying to get a Zoe out of the good job that they've done as a parent, right? I think that's a big issue that is. we probably yeah. have, like, have you ever called anybody out on that sin? I'm sure you have. Myself. Bit, <laughs> um, but like, I mean, I don't know if I've ever heard that preached. I probably should preach that more, but like, I think that's something that like is a real sin issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and even for Christian ministers, it's very easy to serve the idol of success in Christian ministry. It's very easy to serve the idol of what I'll call like name recognition. Mm-hmm. It's very easy, easy to serve the idol of um, admiration in Christian ministry, right? You've helped us. You've done such a good job. And again, it's good to be validated. It's great. I mean, again, it's great to hear those things. But if you're if you don't have a Zoe, if your worship is not aligned, um, all of those nice tastes can become idols in and of themselves, rather than tastes of the goodness of God. And, you know, you can adjust things. You can adjust things on the fly. You could be sitting there enjoying a meal and realize that you're enjoying it more for the uh for the pleasure of it and in the middle of your idolatrous moment you can repent i don't know how many times i've been counseling people and as i'm counseling them back in my mind i'm thinking oh well that was pretty wise person is going to think well of me and then in in the middle of it's like lord forgive me i've got to focus on how i can love these people so even even in the midst of your yeah lapse into idolatry you can repent and come back to the truth that's right and 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 i think on this side of seeing jesus perfectly you know i always like to think of it this way right why do we need faith so much thomas because it's it's faith is how we see jesus now that's right we don't see him face to face right we see him by faith we see him through faith i guess is what you would say and so my faith, because my faith is not perfect, um, a lot of times I start, I look away from Jesus. I start looking at other things. And so faith is when I look back to Jesus and say, okay, actually, this is what you're talking about. Right. Um, and my eyes are constantly drawn away from Jesus toward things mm-hmm. that I can look to in sight. And that's why I need faith to continue to look back to Jesus, yeah. the true source. I, I think you just said it. That the problem with God that Christians are afraid to voice sometimes is that he's invisible and quiet. And everything else is like in your face and loud. Yeah. And I think Jesus is constantly undoing the original lie. And the original lie, maybe a paraphrase would be back in the garden, is that God doesn't want you to have any fun. Yeah. So so don't totally ditch God, but like go go satisfy yourself. Right, right. And yeah. Jesus is saying, No, no, no. No. It's if you put if you put me first, if you put God first, you actually can be satisfied and enjoy other things 
through me in their right path, in their right way. And, and you can enjoy them. You could enjoy them mostly. I mean, you can yeah. enjoy them in the ultimate way. That's right. Seek your happiness in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Amen. So the second thing, and, and Lou got onto me for this earlier, but we talked about how to feast on Christ. I gave some kind of correctives there. Mm -hmm. Talked about transubstantiation. I know, I mean, Lou is an Italian from New York. So like, I know you got a lot of folks in the RC. I, you know, the RC was a big part of my childhood and life. Really? Did you know this? No. Mm -hmm. Both my parents were raised Roman Catholic. Oh, okay. Um, all my grandmothers, aunts, uncles. Mm -hmm. I've been to mass a hundred times, Lou. Really? Wow. I mean, yeah. Probably I mean, more than me. Wow. I probably have a few, um, you know, a few years of of uh, if we're wrong, right? I got a, a couple of years of purgatory <laughs> already already knocked out. A couple so. million, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if it's a couple million, but it's like 10,000. You'll be a few yeah. few floors above me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think I think the Protestant view is that the uh, the magic, if you please, is in the remembering. I think mm. I think when I take communion, I try to remember. Of course, I remember my sin. I remember Christ's sacrifice. I remember the atonement. I remember whatever I can about who Christ is and mm. his uh, his sacrificial death for me. And to me, that's the way I am most edified as I take the Lord's table. Hmm. Right. And I but, keep, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just keep thinking about the verse in Proverbs where it says, you know, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I think at the end of the day, ultimately, yes, that can be a human friend, but that's Jesus. Like one of the great things and one of the great Christian solaces you can take is that Man, when you have that right relationship with Christ, he's just always right there. Mm -hmm. And you're always with him. And there's something most satisfying about that. The never separated, the I'm with him, the I can talk to him about this little thing or this big thing. I can ask what his plan is. Like there's just something very satisfying about that daily moment by moment communion with him. Yeah. So I think that's what we're talking about. We're, yeah. we're talking about feasting on the Lord is ultimately being in communion mm. with the Lord, right? Being satisfied yeah. by the relationship, by the communion that you have with Christ. But what we have, and I think the table is one of those, mm -hmm. are means to enter into that, right? Mm -hmm. They're not the ultimate goal, right? The ultimate goal is not taking the Lord's table or taking the Lord's supper. That's not how you feast on the Lord per se, right? but it is a means by which we can remember or enter into or experience the communion that we have with Christ in the gospel. And they're very powerful means. I mean, and so we, we need to we need not to forsake these means. I mean, again, like baptism and the Lord's Supper, right? These are yeah. these are the, the sacraments of marriage. They're means by which we remember or we in, or we are reminded of or we experience, in a sense, the actual communion that we have with Christ. But they're not the only means of that. Um, one of the other means is, you know, for example, like Bible study, right? That is yeah. a means by which we hear the voice of Christ. One of the reasons that we end our Bible readings with, or I like to say, hear the word of Christ, is because I like to think when I'm reading Nehemiah, I am reading a spirit-filled, spirit-inspired, who proceeds from the Father and from the Son. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. It finds its yes and amen in Jesus. And so I'm reading Nehemiah as if Jesus is sitting there teaching me Nehemiah, mm -hmm. and I want to hear it with that kind of authority. So, That's good. 
It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. As newborn babies desire the, the sincere milk of the word, I think the, the greatest form of feeding, if you please, is by feeding on the word. Now, you mentioned Bible study. You mentioned Bible reading. Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So whether it's memorizing it, meditating on it, basically to the extent that the word of Christ is, is in you, you are going to be filled with the spirit. And I believe the word is, is essential in our uh, feasting, feeding on the Lord. Well, and it, it, it's at least foundational in all the means, right? And so right. I would say the other ones are there. Right. That's I right. would say Christian fellowship, for example, is one of the great means by which we feast on the Lord, yeah. right? Yep. This right here. I'm I hopefully we're feasting on the Lord's days. We're, we're encouraging yeah. one another. But how do we do that? We speak the truth mm -hmm. to one another in love. And so even the foundation, the reason this is not secular fellowship or the reason this is not whatever, the reason this is actually communion with God or communion with Christ is because you're a truth-filled person right. or a word-filled person or however you want to say it. Mm -hmm. You're a word-filled person. And so as we speak the truth or the word of God to one another in love, we're actually communing That's right. with Christ. We're enjoying his fellowship. We're feasting on the Lord. Yeah, I will think more about the Lord as the day goes on because we sat at this table together talking yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. And I'll probably talk to Heather, maybe something about the Lord that I might not have if right. we hadn't done this and that will spur her on and the the ripple effect goes which helps us commune with the lord and right. remember him and again this gets back to the faith thing that we were talking about all of this what is it really doing it's building my faith yeah. it's it's making jesus more visible if in a sense yes as my faith is stronger jesus is more visible and thus i'm less susceptible to feast on other things faith comes by hearing right and hearing by the word of Christ. Amen. So, all right. So that's how you feast them, the Lord. That was easy. Yeah. Well, I should have put that in my sermon, Lou. There you Come go. On. You were right. I was wrong. I do, okay. think, I do think you said one thing Did real quick, that? though. He yeah, actually I, admitted I, it. I, I'm, I'm glossing over it. <laughs> I think I think what you both said is a means. There's multiple means. And so if people are listening, they're like, how do I feast on the Lord? It is the word. It is Christian fellowship with the word in at the center. It's prayer. It's 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 the Lord's given us a really means. great pile of things that we can say, man, this is all going to help me feast on him. Yeah. And, and even prayer is we, we want word driven. Prayer, That's right. Right. That's right. And so a, a lot of times, and again, I, I you know, I, I totally believe obviously like the spirit leads us, but some people are like, how do I discern? Like if this is from the spirit or not? And I would just say like, well, does, is it in line with what Christ right. has said to us in yeah. his word? And you know, then then you can you can typically trust it. If it's just some weird image that you don't know what to do with, um, then you know, I would say I would be very skeptical of that, and I would not trust it. I wouldn't. I would. I would that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a typical pattern of the Christian life. It's 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 a word driven prayer. It's a word driven fellowship. It's a word driven um, you know preaching. Right. I mean, even yeah. preaching, just listening to a sermon may actually not draw you in. This is kind of a crazy thing, right, to think about it. What I'm about to say here, I totally believe, but it's it's even odd to say. Like some people are like, well, I like listening to this preaching. And, and I think, and I'm kind of like, eh. And I think it's because 
I actually think that there is a type of preaching that's not word-driven preaching that can actually lead you away from communion with Christ Mm -hmm. rather than toward communion with Christ. It it can lead you to communion with the world, right? And not communion to Christ. And so, like, for example, let's use one little example, like prosperity kind of Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. It it, it actually leads me not to see and be satisfied Jesus more, see Jesus more clearly and be satisfied Jesus more fully Rather, it kind of leads me to want other things more significantly. And it's, That's right. It's scary because the prosperity gospel preachers use scripture. They twist, they cut and paste it and twist it and distort it to make the Bible say something it doesn't. So they use the word, but because they're, they're typically not good systematic theologians, they don't put everything together and they don't try to balance That's right. what this passage says is with everything else the Bible has to say about. And, and, and this is why I like what I said before, the word of Christ. Mm-hmm. How would Jesus teach mm-hmm. the Bible to you? This is what I try to do when I preach, right? I try to teach the Bible, and this, is, this sounds very arrogant what I'm about to say, and so I say this, only by the grace of God, only by the Holy Spirit. So I'm not like claiming to have this kind of knowledge or wisdom or authority, but I try what I'm trying to do and I fail, right? Lou pointed out I failed today, but I, <laughs> I, I want to say what Jesus would say about this text. Like if yeah. Jesus was sitting here trying to teach our church, I think this is how he would interpret it. So there's a difference in using the words of scripture and the word of Christ, right? Right. You can use the words of Scripture to say anything, right? That's right. Uh, but it's it may or may not be the word of Christ. And I think I think some of that is you get those. If I'm trying to discern which is which, what what you're saying, Jason, what you're saying, Lou, which is which. If I'm listening to somebody else, if God becomes my servant. I have just entered into wrong theology. Mm, yeah. But if I am taught the word and I am subservient to him, I'm probably hearing the word much more closely as to how it's supposed to be right, taught. Right. So speaking of words, what does the term or the words <laughs> cosmic thirst mean? I couldn't quite get a handle on it. Lou, I, I love this idea. Jesus became cosmically thirsty because he drank the cup of God's wrath. So what am I talking about there? And I was trying to kind of play on this whole like hunger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this hunger and thirst after righteousness, feasting on the food that perishes, feasting or feeding on the food that perishes, feeding on the food that gives life. <clears throat> what is this? soul vacuum right that we have and it ultimately the soul vacuum that we have the reason that you're not content all the time the reason that you're not joyful all the time the reason that you're not at peace all the time is because you are separated from god right you're feeling the effects of a world that's been separated from god by sin right now when you're looking at jesus rightly one day lou thomas we won't even need faith that's right we won't even need faith We'll see Jesus perfectly. And you know what you won't do on that day, Lou? You won't be anxious. You won't sin, right? You won't you won't get angry at wrong things. You'll you'll only have righteous anger. You will you'll 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 be in line with God because you'll see Jesus rightly. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. However, hold on. We're not there yet though. Look, all in God's timing, right? And so and so 
um, we experience all of the time the effects of a fallen world, the effects of what I would say, separation from God. And I think that's what it's getting here. That creates in us a thirst, a longing. We're filling our souls with something. Our souls don't feel complete. Our souls are not whole. We're hungry. We're mm-hmm. thirsty, right? But Jesus on the cross endured a cosmic thirst, an ultimate thirst, the, the, the thirst of thirsts because he drank the cup of God's wrath. He drank the cup of total separation from God. He, mm-hmm. he He's experiencing hell, right? It's interesting, you know, hell talks about, you know, being this idea of thirsting, right? Remember the right. rich man and Lazarus, right? And so that kind of thirst, please, a drop of water on my tongue. Jesus experienced on the cross, why? Well, obviously there is a physical reality there, right? Just like we physically eat bread, Jesus literally was. It was hot, it was outside of Jerusalem. He's hanging on a cross, he's trying to breathe. He literally was thirsty, but I think that's saying something more as do most of the statements of Christ. There's usually more going on. And I think what we're supposed to see in that is I thirst. I I am experiencing right now this cosmic separation from God on behalf of all who might believe in me. Um, the thirst that you deserve and that I deserve and that you, Thomas, deserve, Jesus is experiencing on the cross. And so because he experienced it on the cross, now I can drink from living water. I can drink and not be thirsty. I can actually experience the presence of God, but only in Christ. And that's why this bread is so satisfying is because Jesus brings us back into communion. He experienced thirst so that we could be filled. He was put out of communion with the Father so that we could come in. He came down and was made low so that we could be brought up even into the very presence of God. So in your sermon, you talked about really about motivation, what motivates us, what what motivates to serve God. Basically, you have a temporal motivation, the, the, the bread that... Um, perishes and then the the eternal motivation i i can't help think of the verse in hebrews it says because when you when you're when you're focusing on the wrong kind of bread it's it's covetousness right yeah um let your behavior be without covetousness and be content with what things as you have for he himself has said i will never leave you nor forsake you Mm. that's good that's a good place to end. That's really good. Well, for the Mustache Mafia. Come on. Thomas Nelson Lupriolo. I may join later in the week. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, hey, it's been a fun talk back. Thanks, guys. That was good, helpful. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason Dees.